Canuck Central Hour number two. We're in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. If you missed hour one of the program, we ran through some of the top priorities for the Canucks this offseason now that the regular season is in the rear view. Yannick Hansen also joined us for his regular Friday hit. We hadn't had Yannick on for the last couple of weeks. Always inf- insightful with uh, Yannick Hansen. But it's Friday. I see more questions in- pouring into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, 650-650. You want to get some last-minute questions in for the mailbag, you can try. There's no guarantees we will be able to answer them, but you may as well give it a shot. All right. Let's do it. It's the mailbag here on Canuck Central. Hello. That's producer Josh Elliott-Wolf. We will start with one from Trevor. Are there any bonuses that carry over to next season's camp? For example, or cap, sorry. For example. We're going camping? Yeah, I mean, it's the summer. (laughs) Uh, For example, Kuzmenko getting X amount of goals. Uh, yes, uh, that will be tagged to next season. I have to look at that to see exactly what the, all the bonus stuff is. I think it's 850000 uh, 850000 there you go. So I think that bonus will be applied to next year's cap. Because the Canucks are in LTIR, that bonus gets tacked on to their cap charges for next year. Uh, if they were somehow under the salary cap for this season, then... It would be of no matter. Uh, It would just get tacked on to this year's cap and not carry over. But because they are spending into LTIR, it goes on to next year's salary cap. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't use LTIR space for bonuses. Yeah. Uh, Next one from Ernest. Can this core be trusted or will they tune out Tockett like they did with Green and Boudreaux and get him fired before the midway point next season? That's a tough question. The proof will be in the pudding. <laughs> if there's a lamer way to put that, uh, I don't know if it's possible. But, I mean, does a leopard change its spots? Until I see otherwise, I'm going to expect a bit of a slow start for the Canucks next year. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic. I don't expect a slow start because I think – now, I'm not saying it's going to be a successful season – all I'm saying is they'll have a better start next year. Yeah. Because I don't think I, I think Tockett I don't think he's gonna he's gonna let's just say that I don't think he's gonna let them get away with some stuff. And I'm not putting it just on Bruce. We all know the entire situation, but I just don't think there's gonna be a lot of tolerance for mm-hmm. any lackadaisical attitudes. Like I think we, we I don't think we've seen, you know, hard ass Tockett yet. Yeah. Well I think we're gonna see him next year. We've seen him the last couple of weeks. We have heard him say, uh, I'm starting to see some bad body language and say, like, that's just not going to fly here. So, you know, clearly Tockett has already seen some things that he doesn't like. As well as this team has played from a results standpoint, you wouldn't really know it when hearing the coach talk about how this team has played. So there is like some level of optimism there that Tockett does see a lot of what's going on here and what still needs to be improved. It's just it's really hard to see it changing unless you know there's more work done to the roster. 
This one. I still think they get. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they got to get a couple of guys out, but I will be optimistic. Okay. This I like one. optimistic set. From Kieran. <laughs> How much involvement can organization slash coaching staff have with players during the summer? CBA must have some rules on this. Can Tockett work with players over the summer? Not super closely. Like, they can give some suggestions. There could be some sort of, you know, uh, some stuff. But there, there, there are limitations to what teams can ask and get players to do. Players on their own can obviously go and do stuff and use facilities that they want to go and train and everything. But there are rules against what you can do and when you can do things and when you can't do things. And that's why you see players oftentimes in the offseason do their own thing. So there's a lot of restrictions. And the main reason for it is so teams can't quote-unquote coerce players when they're not playing or when they're not on the clock to do things, right? It's kind of like the same thing at, at your workplace. Like the, your work can't make you do something on your day off, right? Yes. That's kind of the sense. that it, Again, we can talk millionaires all we want, but it's CBA negotiated. So, yeah, uh, there's only so much you can do. And I think the Leafs want, got banged that one year, didn't they, for using facilities too much in the offseason? Yeah. I think they did that. So there's only so much you can do before the league steps in. Well, there was uh, there's GMs and, and stuff going around the, around the league that are like, hey, how come the Leafs are doing all this stuff? And, uh, you know, eventually uh, word kind of gets around. Tockett's made it pretty clear he – would like players to take an initiative, stay in Vancouver, and you know have him sort of help them through their off-season training. You know, I guess if it's coming from the player or the player wants it, you know, it's kind of a a, a bit of a gray area. But uh, yes, there is limitations on what the club can actually do. They can make certain suggestions. They can hope that players stick around but uh, they can't force anybody to do that. From Jeff Rowe, with all this talk about Hughes and the captaincy, I hear that he speaks in the room when things need to be said. When does a leader need to speak up in the room? Is it when the team is losing? When the teammate sucks? What are other good examples? And he uh, also says, great job this year, guys. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I appreciate that. Um... It, it can't just come from one player. I mean, that's one thing that I've mm-hmm. sort of learned in covering teams through the years, whether it's hockey or other sports. You have to have a leadership group. So even if one guy is wearing the C, it very much comes down to a group of players. And you need a mixture. Some guys are going to be the lead-by-example type, and some guys are going to be a little bit more of the rah-rah type. When do they need to speak up? I mean, look, this team had a players-only meeting three games into the season. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it worked. So, it's, uh, it, it really comes down to understanding the situation and finding those right times to speak up and get guys to hold each other accountable at all times. I'd say the time to step up. I mean, it's hard for us. I mean, I don't want to sit here and act like, I know exactly what happens in NHL locker rooms when leaders speak up, right? I mean, but one of the things we can share is anecdotal uh, stories we hear and what we, you know, players mention. What I always hear when I talk to former players is about time and place, and the good leaders know when to step up and sometimes when they have to let other people have the shine. And one of the things that Sadines did really well was as soon as a team was playing poorly, every day they were in front of the media. 
answering every question. You know, they were sheltering the rest of the team. They stood up. They were the shields. They took every question. They took everything on, and they deflected. They didn't answer questions truthfully necessarily. And people would be like, "Why are they conceding and saying they played well today?" They're like, "Well, we're not going to give you guys anything. You know, like we'll." We'll rip our guys behind the scenes, but I'm not going to tell you guys how I feel about it. So they be positive, they say the right things, and they take all the bullets. But as soon as the team would win, they kind of step aside, let the other guys have the shine. So I think being a leader oftentimes is understanding what your teammates need, when to get ahead of them, and when to let them have the moment. And I think the best leaders are the ones who have their finger on the pulse in, in terms of doing things like that, in addition to a number of other things they do, obviously. Uh, this one, JL, what percentage chance do you give of Reinbacher being at 11th overall? What's, I, what's 0%? Because that's what I think. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say 0%. Because I, mean, I do think for all the discussions, and it seems like Reinbacher, I wonder how much of the Reinbacher stuff is, hey, we're talking about this on the outside with some suggestions and ideas versus industry-wise, how high does he go? And could there be somebody else? Like One of the things we have to keep in mind here is just because the scouting community right now on the outside seems to have Ryan Barker and I'm there with it with everything, what if one team likes uh, Shimashev better or likes sending Palika better? Could there be a team above Vancouver, 9 or 10, who takes one of those guys? Or 8 even? Yeah. So I I'd say there is a possibility, what, 10%, 5%? It's, it's a small percentage. Is uh, it better or worse than their first overall percentage? Yes. <laughs> better? It's better. Yeah, better chance than that. Like, I think it's better than a 3% chance that Ryan Bacher's there at 11. So I just – I don't see one of the – like I, I do see one of the right shot D going in the top 10. At this moment in time, I think it's going to be Ryan Bacher. It could be Sandine Pelica, but I just – I feel like there's going to be a team that's going to reach for the right shot D in the top 10. We see it happen almost yeah. every single year, so I don't see why this year would be any different. Um, one of those two guys, I think, is, is going in the top 10. Uh, this one, one CDN. Originally, the Heronic trade was ridiculed for trading two top 40 picks, one of which being a potential lottery pick. Now that those picks are number 18 overall at best and number 43, does that change how you view the trade? Uh, I don't know if it changes the view because I think, yeah, you know what? You know what it does? It changes the view that you avoided the worst case scenario of giving up the asset. Mm -hmm. The worst case scenario would have been the pick um, stays with the Islanders this year because they missed the playoffs. They somehow get a higher pick. And next year it's unprotected. And next season the Islanders have a bad year, and then you, then you have an unprotected pick next season. That's the best case scenario, and the value for an unprotected pick that could be a top 5 to 10 pick is astro astronomically high. Right? It's a, that's an astronomical asset. It's kind of what we saw Colorado luck into, yep. or you know, have the fortune of getting when they made the Duchesne trade and end up Colorado uh, and Ottawa. Exactly. Colorado and Ottawa. So they end up making um, the trade, and they get the draft pick, which leads to getting Bowen Byram down the road. And obviously that's, you know, that's a huge coup getting a player like that fifth overall. Avoiding that scenario, I think, makes it a, a very fair trade. And now it's pretty much, it's close to being on par value-wise with what Ristolainen went for mm -hmm. and what Alexander Romanov went for. Because those guys were traded for, what, 12th, 13th, 14th overall picks? Yeah. Uh, so what's yeah, what's the cost of moving up from 18 to 13 or 14? 
Probably a second round pick. Or a third. So it's yep. ballpark. Ballpark. It's, uh, it, look, it, certainly it looks better that you're not giving up a top 15 pick, uh, a top 12 pick. You're not giving up an unprotected first round pick going into next year. All of those things help. But you can go back and listen to our shows on Heronic when the trade was made. And I said it then. Price-wise, it's fair. Like It costs a lot to get top-end right-shot D in this league. I still don't think the timing was right for the Vancouver Canucks to go after Philip Heronic. I disagree with that. And that's not going to change my opinion on the deal. It's not as pricey as it could have been, so that helps. But it still doesn't change how I felt about the deal when the deal was made. This one from Nate. Who are some players you are interested in signing for next season? So I assume, who are some free agents you want the Canucks to target? Uh, what's the Gold Star client list for the offseason? <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, is it uh, <laughs> Vladislav Gavrikov? One of those players? Um, I know Barbashev's name gets mentioned a lot as well, right? So, no, the question wasn't who do you think. It's like who, who, who would you – what's the question? Who do you think? Who, do, who should they target? It is yeah. who are some players you are interested in signing? Uh, interested in signing. Okay. See, I don't like spending big on free agency really ever. So yeah. that um, that makes it difficult. This team needs – we talked about it in the first hour. This team needs a left-shot D that can yeah. kill penalties and play strong defense. I think you probably pair that player with Philip Hironik and have them be more of a shutdown pair and let Quinn Hughes do his thing on the other pair. But – that's sort of what I feel this team is in need of right now. And that's why the Gavrikov name comes up so much because he sort of fits that mold and fits that type of role that the Canucks really need. Yeah, he really does, right? And I think another guy who potentially could fit it somewhat and maybe a ch cheaper price range uh, can play the left or the right side is a guy like Carson Soucy. Right, a bit bigger, physical as well. Now his minutes are somewhat down, but if you're looking at, at, at smaller numbers in terms of trying to sign some players, I wouldn't necessarily mind someone like that. The defense, I guess, I don't know how to feel about the defensive class this year because I like Avrikov, but depends how much you have to pay him. And even a guy like Scott Mayfield, he's a righty. I don't mind him, but he's 30 years old, so it comes down to what's the contract going to look like, right? And that's why on the back end, I'm kind of wondering where they go. Ryan Graves, another guy that can, may fit. I think it's a lot easier clarity-wise when you look at the centers available, um, third-line centers in free agency. I kind of like looking at a David Kampf type, Noel Achari type, and perhaps even a guy like Teddy Bluger. I think those are the types of guys you can get for under $2 million per season. And if you can't make a trade for a Ross Colton type like Friedman was alluding to, which is a nice fit, but what do you acquiring that player for will he get qualified is there a bidding war for the player who's coming off the tampa team and had 30 points this year scored 16 goals does somebody feel like he can play a lot higher up their lineup could he get paid a bit more because of that mm -hmm. it might be hard right but those are the types of guys that look at center wise for one year stop gaps bukestad fits that mold even a bit older luke lendenning does yep. and they're not perfect but it's literally for one year until you find a longer term solution unless you find somebody via trade glendenning is more of like a almost a jay beagle type yeah 
right? Fourth and line. And I'm saying one-year deal yeah. of like a million, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he's he's kind of like fourth-line center, and he's going to be first over the boards for every single penalty kill and try and win you a face-off and kill the first 20, 25 seconds of, of a PK. But he's he's not providing much else out of, outside of that. But, you know, teams generally are willing to pay a million or a million and a half uh, for that player. And uh, Glenn Denning has proven to be a solid fourth-line center. That is a right shot. I wonder if they circle back. Well, I, I don't know how interested they were on, on Evan Rodriguez last offseason. It's hard to sort of gauge because of the cap situation that they were in. But I do wonder if they had some available cap space last summer, would they have gone after a guy that they had in Pittsburgh and Evan Rodriguez? And he's going to be a free agent again this summer. Yeah, and depends on the money for guys like that. And yeah. it would fit in, right? Um, if you can clear enough money, you can sign a guy like that to two and a half, three million potentially. You can get to that range. It's just, I just kind of, I don't love the idea of signing free agent centermen to, you know, longer term deals. That's yeah. what I kind of don't like. I like well, to trying to fit that in terms of making a trade for younger players somehow. And if you can't yeah. find it, stopgap it for a year or two. Well, Rodriguez, like, he thought he was going to get more last yeah. summer, and he ended up settling for a $2 million deal with the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Uh, he's you know not having a bad season. He's at uh, close to 40 points, but I can't see him commanding a ton more than what he ended up getting last off season. The one, you know, Bukestad is really interesting. You know, he's got some size to him, is a right shot as well, has played pretty well this year sort of fits the mold as a uh, third-line center. You're right on that guy as well. So those those are some names that you could potentially look at. Uh, this one from Reist. What do the Canucks do with some of their RFAs like Kravtsov this offseason? Kravtsov is interesting. Um, it's it's. I'm not... Uh, like I'm not going <laughs> to throw smoke at you. I have no idea what happens with Kravtsov because it, it's almost... It feels like it's up to the player, Right? How much and how much work are you willing to put in to make it work here in the National Hockey League? Or are you going to do what you can to go and play in the KHL and make mm-hmm. as much money as you possibly can? Because you will get paid more there, and you'll probably have success. But is that what you really want? Or do you want to try and make it in the best league in the world? That's uh, that's the question I think Vitaly Kravtsov is probably having to ask himself this offseason. I think he will be here for training camp. I don't know if he's going to be here past November. So like, and I said November. Yeah, not October, not September, November. Uh, because remember uh, when the Canucks signed Alexander Burmistrov? I was just going to say, yeah, Basant Motors legend Alex Burmistrov. <laughs> yeah, and he left in December, I think it was, right? Yes. So maybe I should just say December. So I think that's the that's kind of the if you said an over under. Is he going to be a Canuck past December of next season? I wonder about that. I think he'll be here. He'll sign a deal, come fight for a spot. I just don't know if he's going to have the desire to fight for mm-hmm. his spot and be that player. So, yeah. Yes to training camp. I'm not sure if he finishes the season as a Canuck. Kravtsov will be 24 in December. Now, if you want to expand that to other RFAs, um, Ethan Bear, we've talked about. One year or three year deal seems to be the likelihood for Ethan Bear. And if you do the three year deal, you are buying two years of unrestricted free agency. And theoretically, that would cost you a little bit more. So 
in the interest of saving as much cap space as possible, is a one-year settlement the most likely outcome here for Ethan Bear? I'd say yes. Yeah. I would say yes. Because, I mean, they, I don't think they can afford Dan to make a bet on him. Yeah. You have to, you know what I mean? Like, you're already looking to clear some cap space. You're trying to do other things here. Can you, can you make another bet and pay him, you know, like something that would be more in the $3 million range for mm -hmm. a longer-term deal? Or even higher, potentially, because you go longer term for a guy buying UFA years. So I'd say a one-year deal is probably the best bet. I don't... I don't know. Like, I, I've liked what Ethan Bear has done. But to pay him $3 bucks a year and not... Not know for certain, like, that's the guy I want playing next to Quinn Hughes in that time frame for all those years, that's that's a bit, it's a bit rich for me. Um, so, so there's a thought on Ethan Bear, and uh, the the final one, I guess, is Akito Hirose, who's uh, going to get uh, a restricted free agent tag at the end of this season as well. He's been a real impressive player, but uh, I don't think it's uh, going to be too difficult to get him under contract for uh, probably less than a million bucks. So, uh, next. Next one from Jay Wu. Instead of cliche-filled year-end conferences from the players. Can we get Sat and Drance on the podium? Here we go. <laughs> uh, all right. Drance, well, I mean, uh, Drance called you out for Sat Mantics today. Sat, sat. Mantics. Yes. That was actually not bad. I got a kick out of that Sat Mantics. Mm. It's pretty funny. I well, don't know. I mean, whatever. Dan, I love you, Dan. Dan's my it's guy. It's kind Dan's of a layup, man. Like, I don't <laughs> That's know. That's easy. Whatever. Hey, I, I get a kick out of it. Every once in a while, lame jokes are funny. But um, We know uh, Drance isn't getting any dunks on you, so... <laughs> Hey, all I'll say is I, I'm not going to get into a back and forth because I think everything I said or we said and we outlined on the podcast yesterday, on the show yesterday, it still stands. Go and listen to it. Um, it was taken. Some some things were taken out of context in the in the spiel today that that mm -hmm. Drans had. So I don't have time. And like I said, everything I said yesterday stands. Everything we said yesterday stands. And and go through the process of listening to the full twenty minutes. It's a it's a comprehensive breakdown with facts. Believe it or not, yes, there are facts. The only thing I would say is. Um, I know he was ridiculing Ferivari. Well, I know that Drance loves the analytics, right? The metrics and yep. especially the athletic player cards and the models. He always talks about Dom and his models and how they outperform, you know, Vegas and everything with his predictions. And, you know, they, they do great work when, when it comes to those models. Well, again, I've, I've uh, implored him and others to look. Well, Ferivari, who he dismisses out of hand, is worth $3.4 million in terms of player value this year playing for... Uh, the Washington Capitals. And if you take out Hironic, who only played four games, they don't play games, if he was on this team, he'd be the Canucks' third best defenseman. Yeah. But with a bullet. The only two guys who have higher analytic value, Quinn Hughes and Ethan Bear. Yeah, that's it. Nobody else. Um, you know, we could go down the road of uh, <laughs> digging up old takes. We've all had our poor takes, and Drance is, uh, has got his own as well. But I'm pretty sure I've heard in the past Drance praise Martin Fehervati. I've uh, heard him say he likes his game. So it was just it was an interesting choice to bring to bring that name up of everything we talked about yesterday when we were just spitting facts about the Canucks and their situation down the stretch. Fight, fight, fight. Is that what people want? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Austin in Langley. Now that the Isles have made the playoffs, does Bo get the Stanley Cup handed to him second like Ray Bork? <laughs> Will he thank Vancouver post-interview? 
Oh man, could you imagine though if they make a make get to the cup final? Like, okay, I don't think the New York Islanders are getting to the cup final, but I don't think it's impossible. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, okay, if in the words make... of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Right. Now, if I asked you, Dan, ask both you guys here, Dan and and Josh, and also you guys can, anybody listening can chime in on the text inbox as well. If you had to bet on one team with long odds, long odds, so not a favorite, which team are you taking? Like long odds. And, is it, and why is it the New York Islanders? <laughs> so there's no other team you'd be willing to take a long shot play on than the New York Islanders. No, I think that's a team that lines up the best for that to work out. Mm -hmm. Like I think all the other kind of long shots, and I'm talking wild card teams here, right? Yeah. And even, you know, let's say you can even put maybe LA there, LA Kings, because I don't think their odds are going to be super high to win the cup for or get to the cup final. Like I look at like the Islanders have almost everything you need in terms of the makings of a team that can upset somebody. As long as they can play good team defense. Got to be able to score goals. Yeah, but in the playoffs, that doesn't matter as much. 2-1 games. All you need is two. Uh, all you need is two? Where are they getting two from? <laughs> I, I mean, don't know Horvath's if you checked that, but Horvat hasn't been scoring lately. Eventually. Wait, Bull Horvat, playoffs Horvat. Okay, all that, playoff right? Horvat. Playoff in the bubble Horvat. Yeah, actually, well, hey, hey, he was, he was good in 14-15 too. He was. He was. 14-15. Yeah. For a rookie, season, he was he, good. He played his best hockey in the in the playoffs that year, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, Barzell's situation and his health—that's the one that looms large, obviously. To me, that's that. Like, how right is Barzell going to be? And if mm -hmm. that's going to be something that he can bring, and you got—and it's like, okay, I don't think they're going to do it. But again, like, it's about fi finding out who's going to make an upset. And I'm—you look at factors for upsets: good team defense. You look at having some game breakers, Barzell game breaker, right? You look at having great goaltending. They have Sorokin. They have a little bit of depth. They can play gritty. They can do a bit of everything. Like that's the type of team that if things align can upset, win a couple rounds. The best of the wild card teams to pick is the New York Islanders. I will give you that, but I I'm not betting on Bo Horvat having a playoff similar or akin to the one that he had in the bubble a couple of years ago in Edmonton. Because out of the wild card teams, it's Seattle, Winnipeg, Islanders, Florida. Mm -hmm. That's Florida's it. toast. Yeah, Florida's yeah. done. I don't. Yeah. Know. I can't see Florida. Like maybe they take one game off the Bruins. I don't. know. Yeah, I think maybe one game. I don't, their defense isn't good enough. Yeah, exactly. Their defense simply isn't good enough. And goaltending, you kind of wonder about them too. Like I want to say Winnipeg, but again, we talk like as good as Hellebuck is, and with that team being so inconsistent with their style of play, too much turmoil there. Exactly. I just don't feel confident. About that, are they just gonna like find you know the magic juice that they all come together and yeah. they're like you know <laughs> we're the best of friends now let's play together. I don't yeah, know. but to me that's the only other team because like, they have like the players the pieces in theory. It's more about your confidence in them. You know, somebody texted in Winnipeg, somebody else texted in Seattle. Like I'm not feeling Seattle. Uh, I I could see. I don't know. I mean, who's Seattle playing? Yeah, we don't even know yet. <laughs> We don't know. It's going to be uh, one of probably Colorado. They are up by a couple on Nashville. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, as far as as far as other upset teams, I, I liked Minnesota coming in, but uh, the injury to Eric Sinek is pushing me off of them. So I don't. <laughs> You're right. Okay, you're right, Sat. The Islanders are yeah. the best of the bunch of the underdogs to pick. Listen, I'm I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Bring that back right now. <laughs>
Uh, we'll end with this one, Discount Dracula. If you could change a rule in any sport, what would it be? I'd get rid of video review in soccer in a second. <laughs> oh, VAR is the death of me. I yes. have never, like, I the worst take of my life was saying VAR was going to be a good addition to, to soccer. Oh. It is the worst. Things it's that age poorly, right? So bad. Oh, my God. Let's just get calls right. No, like, uh, well, you, you don't always get them right. And I, again, spirit of the rule thing always comes up when, when video review uh, becomes a thing like, uh, you know, oh, look, his pinky toe may have been offside. It's like, mm, stop it. Can we can we not do this? Can we please not do this? Anyways, video uh, video review. I'd get rid of that in soccer, please. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm probably with you on video review. I say reviews in general. The only thing I want to review is goals and touchdowns. Yeah. Like the the, the ball crossed the line, the, the puck, you know, get in, for instance, right? Like that's the only thing I want to review, stuff like that. I don't care about anything else anymore. <laughs> Football, they less. probably got to, like, clarify catch rules and stuff, yeah. you know? Catch, make it, maybe, make it yeah. simpler. More Fair, simple. Yeah. Yeah. Far more simple. I mean, because, like, we, we see VA, we see the reviews – and half the time, most of the time, people were just as mad as they would be if the, if the officials missed the call to begin with. Yeah. So what's the point? Uh, also, not being able to clean your golf ball on the like, unless it's on the green. <laughs> that frustrates me. I mean, not going to lie. I do it anyways. Not that it helps my game. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I've never once cleaned my golf ball. Really? Aside from like after a hole, if I see it's muddy, I'll wipe it with the towel. But so there's like a huge piece of mud on your ball in the fairway, and it's just like, no, it's, not it's gonna do anything. There. To me, I'm like, well, it's I'm bad at golf already. It's, it's gonna, gonna help gonna the aerodynamics of my ball for sure. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of dumb golf rules, but yeah. as amateurs, we don't really pay attention to much. Of them, so. Like <laughs> golf and baseball, two things people overthink, especially <laughs> golf, right? A hundred percent. That's it for the mailbag. Always appreciate the questions. Uh, you can send them every Friday at Satyar Shaw. Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw, you are listening to Canuck Central.